morning, happy Monday, and welcome to the Bespelled Books podcast. In today's episode of So You Want to Be a Writer, I'm going to be talking about plotting. Plotting and what is it, how do you do it, why should you do it, and how exactly I plot my novels. But first, I shall briefly introduce myself because that would be rude not to. I am your host, Zoe. I am a 22-year-old student with a degree in English and Creative Writing, and I'm currently completing a Master's in Creative Writing too. All of that could mean absolutely nothing to you, but I like to think that it qualifies me to talk a little bit about what writing and books mean to me. Books, quite simply, are my life, and if books are your life too, I hope this podcast finds you well, and that you can find some of what I'm going to talk about throughout this series interesting at least. If you didn't find me through social media, first of all, hello. Second of all, I run a bookstagram account, a bookish Instagram account that is, where I share books that I love and recommend to you all, and it's where I first founded my social media name, Bespelled Books. Don't ask me how I thought of that name, because I literally can't remember, and it was only last May. I also discuss books and make little sketch videos on TikTok, which is an excellent growing platform that I intend to talk about in the future. But if you are interested in my content here, please feel free to follow me on social media. All my accounts are under Bespelled Books, except on Twitter, where it's Bespelled Books 1. That one is very important. So, now that you know a little bit about me, let's jump back into novel planning. In most young adult novels, which is the genre I'm going to be talking about most in these podcasts, the word count that you should be aiming for is around 85,000 words, although this is open to interpretation, of course. The best way for me to look at it is to break it down into parts and chapters, so it doesn't sound as daunting as 85,000 words. Plotting and drafting your novel can seem very daunting, especially if you've not really done it before, so I'm going to talk you through one of the ways in which I draft mine. This is a 27 chapter outline that you can use for drafting, and I first came across it through Tastic on YouTube, so I recommend watching her video as well, but I'm going to talk you through it now. The basic premise is to split your novel into three sections, beginning, middle and end. Each section has three parts, and each part has three chapters. That means nine chapters each section and 27 chapters overall. Suddenly it doesn't seem as daunting, does it? Each chapter is made up of around 3,000 to 3,200 words as a guideline, and that should leave you with a novel between 81,000 and 86,700 words, aka standard novel length. That was a bunch of maths that I just talked at you, but I do promise that it can help make writing your novel seem a lot easier. All you have to do is write 3,000 words 27 times. And it's not like you're completely lost of what to write either, as the outline tells you what your chapter should be about. Let's take a closer look. So we're going to start with Act 1. Your first chapter is your introduction. This is where you introduce your character, the setting, the world you're writing in. We should learn about your protagonist or protagonists here. If you have a prologue, make sure you put that before the introduction. But we need to get a general feel for your world and the equilibrium that we start with before the chaos of the novel ensues. This should arguably be your most mundane chapter before we move on to chapter 2, the inciting incident. What happens in this scene that disturbs the general peace of the world? How is the protagonist or protagonists involved? Is the antagonist involved? This needs to be the exciting action of your story that kicks everything off. But your introduction still shouldn't be boring, just mundane in comparison. 
I know that sounds like a very hard balance to achieve, but you will learn how to do that. It took me a very long time to learn how to write a semi-interesting first chapter, but now that I have the outline, it helps so much more. Then we move on to chapter three, the fallout. How does the protagonist react to the inciting incident immediately? It could be a short-term reaction, because in chapter four, reaction, this is a longer reaction, as Cap said in her YouTube video, it is usually a rebellion against the inciting incident. And in chapter five comes the action. What is the protagonist gonna do next? They need to take up arms and do something about this incident that's happened. Maybe they're gonna set off on a journey. Maybe it's confront someone. You decide, but something needs to spur them into action, a movement. Because in chapter six comes the consequences. Every action has its consequence, so what are the consequences of the protagonist's actions? Ignore the fact that I said consequences three times in a row, I apologise. <laughs> Chapter 7 is pressure, we are leading up to the plot twist, there has to be some pressure here. Is it internal, external, or maybe even both? You can really ramp up the tension here. In Chapter 8, here's your first plot twist. This is the first one of the novel, so feel free to go as wild as you want. This is your book. You decide what happens to your characters. It could be really minor or really drastic. Just have some fun and play around with plot. And the last chapter of Act 1 comes in Chapter 9. This is the push. This is the chapter that is going to move us into Act 2. So it's a little bit more of a filler, but it's still important to lead us on to the new world. You've reached Act 2, congratulations! Chapter 10 is the new world. The world has changed after this big plot twist. But how? What is different? Has a discovery been made? Has the protagonist arrived somewhere? Think of Harry Potter and the Hunger Games. These characters that have arrived in a new setting. It is a new world for us and them. Introduce us to it. But in chapter 11 comes fun and games. There has to be some relief. So let us, the reader and the character, enjoy themselves a bit exploring the new world and making friends. Chapter 12, old juxtaposition. Bring it back to the old world without going there. Does a character from act one resurface? Is there news from home? Are there doubts in the protagonist that link back to act one? Chapter 13, build up. Here you can add a lot more tension. We are almost at the middle of the book. Maybe the stakes need to be rising here too. Chapter 14, we're at the midpoint. This protagonist is on a journey that changes them. They should have evidence of changing but not have completely changed yet. Where do you want them to end up and where do they start? Then you can sort of figure out where they should be at the midpoint in terms of their journey, both physical and perhaps mental. Chapter 17 is trials. Something will test the protagonist here and perhaps they really do struggle. But in chapter 18, dedication, they will pull through and we can see how the story might end, but we're still not sure. There's still a long way for the protagonist to go yet. We still have to see them conquer so much, but we're getting a little idea of how they're going to do that. All of the tools that the protagonist needs to win should be laid out by now. We just need to learn how they're going to do it. We're on to Act 3. This is the home stretch now. The end is in sight and we can sort of see how they're going to get there, but we just need to finish this journey. 
in chapter 19 we have the calm before the storm. The protagonist is thriving after the trials and dedication. Maybe they're confident, maybe too confident. Everything seems to be going slightly too well. So in chapter 20 comes the second plot twist. Usually this is the biggest one of the book. Has the hero's best friend become the villain? Or have they been the villain all along in hiding? Have they been betrayed? All hope is usually lost here. This is going to be one of the most memorable chapters of your reader's experience. So don't be afraid to push boundaries. Huge plot twists that blindside your readers can be really hard to pull off. But there are a couple of ways that you can do it in an effective manner. For example, you should set up enough little hints throughout your novel that even if it does blindside your reader at the end, it's not that unsurprising. You shouldn't leave your readers wondering how the hell that happened without it making any sense. Again, that can be really hard to balance, but you can do it with practice. Chapter 21 sees us in the darkest moment. The protagonist is feeling the effects of the plot twist. They could be suffering and struggling and not sure how they can defeat whatever antagonist or evil they're facing. Give us all of the feelings, all of the emotion. Make us feel like all hope is lost here. Because in chapter 22, we find the power within. The protagonist rises and finds something within themselves to get up and go, fight, win. In chapter 23, we have an action or a rally. Perhaps the protagonist needs to do something before they can fight this evil or find some friends and allies to go along with them. There is an active movement to this chapter. In 24, everything converges. Things come together as we make our way into the last stretch before the end of the book. Chapter 25, Battle. The battle commences and the two sides clash. It doesn't have to be a physical battle, it can be something so small like an argument, but there has to be a conflict. Your climax comes in chapter 26, the highest part of your story is their character death, has hell been unleashed? That depends on the book you write. And our final chapter 27 is the resolution, this is self-explanatory really, but this aftermath of the climax has to come. Have things been solved? Not necessarily, that depends on the type of story you write. Again, are you leaving your ending open? Are you leaving your readers with a cliffhanger? I will talk about ending your novel in a future episode, I'm sure, but there are many different ways you can end this off. But there you have it, a solid plan that you can use to guide your writing. You can use it for contemporary or romance or new adult. Just adapt the meanings of the chapter titles if that helps you. You can also move things around and add or remove chapters if they don't fit your plot. But this is just a very general guideline from Kat that I have found helpful in plotting. But why should you plot? Well, because otherwise it can be hard to keep track of your story. I'm not saying that it's impossible to write a full story by pantsing it, but it certainly is harder. For years I wrote without having a fully developed plot and my novel fell flat because there was nowhere to go and there was no emotion weave throughout it. It was all very one note and a flat one at that. It might not work for you to plan or plan everything and that's fine, but this is a very useful guide that can help you think about how you should plot your novel and how you should take your reader throughout the motions. 
let's take a look at an example. I'm going to use the plot of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone as it's a story that most people know well and love. I'm going to show you how it fits into the 27 chapter outline or thereabouts. Also a quick note to say that while I am talking about Harry Potter and may often in the future, I in no way support JK Rowling and her political views. If you want to read Harry Potter for the first time, I urge you all to buy second hand so as not to support and or fund her any longer. Please keep that in mind for any future references to Harry Potter there may be in the future. This is a safe space for all people. So with that, let's look at the outline. Act 1, Chapter 1, Introduction. Harry Potter is an orphan and lives with his horrible aunt, uncle and cousin. We learn that Harry is mistreated and lives under the staircase. This gives us an insight into our protagonist and his daily life and his character. In Chapter 2, The Inciting Incident, Harry goes along with the Dursleys to the zoo for Dudley's birthday, and something odd happens. Dudley falls into an exhibit through glass. It's clear that Harry has had some involvement, but how? Chapter 3, Fallout. The Dursleys punish Harry and he has no idea why, but then a letter appears for Harry. The reaction to this in Chapter 4 is that Harry's uncle tries to stop the letters coming through, and in Action, Chapter 5, hundreds of letters arrive addressed to Harry and he attempts to read them, but he can't. The consequence of this is that Harry's uncle moves them all the way to the middle of the sea on a rock to avoid the letters. With Chapter 7 comes the pressure. It's Harry's birthday, and as the clock ticks over, someone crashes through the door, ready for the plot twist 1 in Chapter 8. Harry finds out that he's a wizard. Chapter 9 pushes us into the new world. Harry's preparing for Hogwarts, going to Diagon Alley. It's also where we learn about Voldemort properly for the first time ahead of the second act. Act 1 has introduced us to Harry and his normal life. It has also introduced magic and the larger part of this world, and given us a hint as to who this protagonist is, even though we haven't properly seen him yet. And now we move into Act 2. Chapter 10, The New World. Harry arrives at Hogwarts for the first time. We are introduced to a new world. And in Chapter 11, Fun and Games, we are learning the world of Hogwarts, as Harry is making friends and going to his classes. In chapter 12, there's an old juxtaposition. Harry comes across bullies like the Dursleys all over again, but this time they're called Draco Malfoy and Severus Snape. Chapter 13, The Build-Up. Here comes several events. There's a battle with a troll. Harry ends up with a detention where they find the unicorn in the forest and evidence of Lord Voldemort. They also come across Fluffy the three-headed dog and a trap door, but they don't really understand what it is yet. Chapter 14 is the midpoint, we're halfway through the novel. This is where they finally learn about the Philosopher's Stone at Christmas. Now the fact that it's at Christmas for the midpoint makes sense as it's halfway through the school year which is the span of the novel. There's a reversal in chapter 15 where the trio decide to go after the Philosopher's Stone before Quirrell can get it and there's no turning back now. They can't go back to how it was in Act 1. It's too late to turn back consequences in chapter 16 is them putting themselves in danger and Dumbledore is no longer at the school. This is it now, we're going towards the end of the novel. The trials in chapter 17 are the series of tests that Harry has to get through in order to get the stone. The devil snare, the chest, the keys, 
there's more in the books that we don't even see in the films. In chapter 18 is the dedication. Ron is injured during a chess game and Hermione stays with him, but Harry goes on alone. He's had a pep talk. He's feeling confident that he can face Snape, who's in the end. Or so he thinks. Now we move into Act 3. Now, the chapter structure does break down a little bit here, but it still follows a similar plan of events, even if they're not in individual chapters anymore. So, chapter 19, The Calm Before the Storm. Harry is riding that confidence, and he arrives at the end of the test to find Quirrell when he expects Snape, but he doesn't understand yet. And that brings us to our second plot twist of the novel. Harry learns that Snape isn't the one after the stone, but Quirrell is instead. And worse, Voldemort is with him, operating through Quirrell. In our darkest moment, Harry is confused and angry, but he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to get the stone or fight Quirrell yet. And there comes the power within. The stone finds its way into Harry's pocket and he argues back against Quirrell. And then our action and Raddy comes. Quirrell goes after Harry and Harry fights back. Convergence. Admittedly, there isn't much of a convergence going on, but there is a battle. Harry fights back against Quirrell and learns that his touch burns Quirrell's skin. Here comes the climax. Harry defeats Quirrell and he passes out from the pain which brings us to our resolution. Harry wakes up in hospital and speaks with Dumbledore. Quirrell is seemingly defeated, and Voldemort has gone. Harry is reunited with his friends, and he goes home for the summer holidays, and we think everything's okay again. As you can see from the example, Harry Potter loosely follows this outline with some adaption, which is completely fine. Don't be afraid to mix it up and change the order of things, or add in new chapters, or even just merge several chapters together. At the end of the day, it should be changed to work best for you. Personally, I often adapt the ending to shorten it, as JK Rowling has seemingly done in Act 3. I would share one of my novel outlines with you, but as it's unreleased just yet, I cannot part with it. All in due time though, fingers crossed, touch wood. <laughs> if you are struggling to come up with a novel plot that follows this outline, there are several tips that I can give you to try and combat this. Firstly, maybe work backwards. Fill in your ending. What do you want to happen at the very climax of your book? Maybe then you can figure out how the novel starts from there. Or what I do most often is fill in what I do know. If you know your plot twists, write them in. If you know the climax, write it in. If you know where the midpoint is, write it in. From there, you can work out the reaction to your plot twists and the build-up to them, and then you've already written a large chunk of the outline. Fill in the easy blanks and then work with what you've got left in order to flesh out your plot, and I promise it will come to you a little bit easier. Or at least I hope it will. If that doesn't help you come up with a general plot, then one of the best pieces of advice I've been told about writing is, who is your main character? what do they want and then write everything you can to stop them from getting what they want. I feel like it might have been someone like Victoria Schwab who said something similar to that but don't quote me on it. I am however confident that a lot of this information is floating around on the internet somewhere but I still feel like it was important to talk about on here too. Regardless, drafting is an incredibly unique process for each writer. You just have to try different ways until you find the right fit for you. 
I never thought I would be the type of writer that completely outlines her stories, but it has seriously helped me so much. Perhaps in a future episode I'll go through one of my own planning documents that contains everything I use to write a novel. If that interests you, please do let me know on social media, as feedback is always appreciated, of course. And with that, our first episode has come to an end. I really hope you enjoyed it today, and thank you so much for listening. I hope some of what I had to say was interesting and or useful. Do give this channel a follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and keep an eye out for future episodes. Keep reading and more importantly, keep writing.